all of this year, we've been talking about Jesus um, and really specifically, I guess, in a way, beholding Jesus, wanting to really look at him and, um, and really see him for who he is because he is the image of the invisible God. And so if we want to know what is God like, then we need to be looking at Jesus because he gives us a picture of what God is like. And in the many years, you know, that, well, that I've been a minister and have been just talking with fellow Christians, it's amazing how many of us have quite dysfunctional pictures of God in our minds. Um, ones, images of God that don't look like Jesus. It's amazing how many of us um, have these, like, perceptions that God is angry or that God um, is distant or God is unfeeling or uncaring. And we might, like, these are the times when we say, oh, we know that's not true. But if you scratch the surface often in the way we relate to God, you'll find that we often believe these lies, that God is distant or God is angry. And, it, and we see that in the way we, we, we feel towards God, especially when we've sinned or especially when we feel a little bit slack in our relationship with God. We sense, we, that's when we get a good kind of feeling around our picture of God. And so what I've been trying to um, encourage us to do this year is to really push a bit deeper into um, what our pictures of God is, primarily by looking at Jesus and trying to see who Jesus is and trying to capture, like, not just read the stories of Jesus, but try to get behind some of the stories and imagine who is this man who reveals God to us? What was he like? How did he relate to people? What what was motivating him? And so that's what, you know, that's been my great hope this year as leading us through this year of Jesus is that some of our um, pictures of God would be changing. Some of our, you know, imaginations about Jesus would be coming alive and we would be seeing him in new and fresh ways that make us fall more in love with who he is. And so I thought maybe I'd just ask, is there any, like, you don't, if, if there's just total silence, that's quite all right too, but is there anyone throughout the course of this year who've, you know, been around in Central for this year has actually just felt like their image of who God is and their, their concept of Jesus has shifted a bit? Is there been some revelation that has come for you um, about Jesus? Does anyone want to share? Because I think it'd be great to hear if people are kind of like, having new revelation or seeing things differently. And it's okay if everyone's quiet and just says nothing, although I will go home and feel a little bit sad. No, <laughs> not true. Yeah. Oh, yes, someone's got something to say. Danny, I'll bring it around and bring the mic around. I just um, feel that was, yeah, I'm learning more that he seeks after me more, regard, like the song just said, regardless of me more than me seeking after him, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, Caitlin. <laughs> um, I just have learned about his patience a lot more, especially like the story of like the wheat, um, the parable of the wheat where um, all this bad weeds got in it and um, like everyone was like, oh, we've got to, chop it all out right now but um he's patient enough to like go after 
that in the right timing and like especially for me sometimes I felt like oh god can you just deal with that right now but like and then he has dealt with it later and it's been better then so yeah his patience Yeah, I really think every sermon on Jesus that you've done has been amazing. Whether I've heard it on the podcast because I was away or, yeah, like honestly, even thinking of the one about the woman who was bleeding for 12 years, side by side with the story of the the daughter who was 12 years old and had died, and that Jesus had time for both of them. Even one was from like the lowest position and one was from the highest position. And I don't know, it just really, and, and the, and the, Mark 5 with Legion, the two sermons on that was, like, amazing. Like, really helped me to think differently, I guess. So, no, I've really loved it. It was the Mark 5 thing and, and Legion that is stuck in my head and it's still there. I'm still, I've read it maybe two or three times. And um, it, just the whole thing of, uh, I knew Jesus came and did something with this bloke, but I didn't realise the scope of it. And, and the idea of justice, and we think of justice, and again, that, that echo of God's wrath in his justice. And yet, Jesus flips the whole thing upside down. And he comes, and his justice is to the man that everyone else had put outside of everything. And he takes on uh, so many of the, the structures of his day that people would have just taken for granted to bring uh, wholeness to that bloke. And thinking, how does that work for us? Uh, where do we see Jesus doing that? Uh, and, and how do we uh, participate with him? in the doing of that in our own lives and in our own community. So anyone else want to share? Al. <laughs> you look very reluctant, Al. You look very reluctant. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it's um, a challenge in my mind, and I've been thinking about it for a while, how to marry the Old Testament and the New Testament together. Um, the character of Jesus uh, is grace, and forgiveness and mercy, compassion. And I've, I look a bit closer at the Old Testament and I've come to the conclusion that that we look at it wrong in the sense of laws, like you think of laws, this is what you're going to do, you know. But I think they were just, they were more principles to follow for our safety, to keep us on the right track. It was out of love. And, and they, they marry together um, more than what I've realised in the past. That's good. Yeah, just the phrase um, from a few weeks ago where you said um, Jesus is for us. And, um, yeah, just uh, 
Yeah, I've read the Bible a lot, heard a lot of Bible stories about Jesus, but um, get the fact that you know the picture I actually have in my heart, the way I relate to him, um, has not been a an intimate and warm for me um, in some ways, and I'm um, yeah I've been starting to get that a lot more this year, and um, uh, yeah he's not quite as serious and uh, distant. Um, as I had, had thought, and um, it's it's really enjoying just uh, spending time a lot more closely, um, just accepting uh, intimacy with Jesus and with God. Yeah, and he, yeah, just really getting the fact he's <laughs> he wants to give to me to us. Yeah, he's for us. Yeah. Great. Anyone else want to share something? It's all good. Um, I want to. I want us to have a look at the God of compassion tonight, and um, it's going to segue well with your Old Testament statement, Al. I think um, it's really. Hard, oh, I don't. Um, this week, the last two weeks, I guess, you know, like you, we, we follow Jesus and we seek him and we pray and we read the Bible and then sometimes you just feel like your eyes are open to something you've never seen before in a new way that really confronts you. That's what's happened to me in the last couple of weeks and um, it's been good but it's been like challenging as well and I guess it and it is around this idea of the God of compassion and I think like if I was I don't I I feel like my brain's a bit scrambled this afternoon but the best way I can explain it is this I think when I grew growing up and I've grown up a Christian been in church a really long time I kind of feel like the message I received I'm not saying this is anyone's fault that they told me this message, but this is the message I received. So somehow in my, this is is my message, was that um, compassion is good, but being right is better. Um, So it's, it's nice to have compassion, but it's more Christian to be right about things. So there's right and wrong, and that's more important than the wishy-washy compassion thing. Does that make sense? So that, that's kind of, I just feel like that's a message I received somehow in my church world. And so I, I guess there would be times when I would feel moved, you know, in compassion for someone or something. But then all of those messages of, is this right or is this wrong? Is this sin or is this not? They were just kind of like, rear up a little bit and then they would kind of like overcome the feeling of compassion does it so that's happened for me in the last um couple of weeks when I've been just just things around the world and like one of the examples of that would be you know the situation with refugees on Nauru like do we have compassion or do we wrestle with right and wrong and politics and good and bad and do you know what I mean 
And I feel like when I sometimes look at the church's response to issues like that, I see us more landing on the side of right and wrong than I do on the side of compassion. And I've just been... So, so with all of that happening in my own like spirit and my own emotions and just my interaction with the world, um, it's just caused me to look at Jesus in a new light, like the Jesus of compassion. And it's caused me to see that he was actually someone who was always moved by compassion towards people. And he, he just seemed less concerned with right and wrong or doing, like, do, do you know what I mean? It's not that he was like, let's throw like everything out the window. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying he kind of seemed to move in compassion towards people. And that, that's just really come alive for me. And I suppose today as... We just have a look at a few things and then as we gather around the table, I want primarily, if you fall asleep right now and wake up at the end for communion, this is, what, this is the message I want you to get. We need to be people who are moved by compassion. We need to be people who follow in the footsteps of Jesus and choose compassion for others um, as first priority and let the right and the wrong fall to God. But let's be people of compassion because when I, when I behold Jesus, when I gaze upon him, I see him moved by compassion for people, not treating them according to what they deserved or what they had done or what was right or wrong, but actually going with that heartfelt leaning that he had. And I think we've got to be like that, Christians, people of the church, people who follow Jesus, we have to model Jesus to people, be moved by compassion, not by right and wrong. So that's, we could stop now and just have communion, but um, I'll just say a few more things. And actually, in Exodus chapter 34, this is what struck me. You know, we say, you know, um, God, Jesus came to show us what God was like. And we do wrestle sometimes with the Old Testament because sometimes it can feel like the Old Testament gives us a, a different picture of what God is like than what than what Jesus gives us. But we do see these glimpses of God and Jesus in the Old Testament. And this is one of them. This this passage comes from when Moses goes up the mountain and he meets with God and he says, God, would you reveal yourself to me? Let your presence pass in front of me. And this is that story when God hides Moses in the cleft of the rock and then passes in front of him but only allows Moses to see his back and the voice that booms in the mountain um, from the story is what God says about himself it's almost like God's resume like God's announcing himself to Moses he's laying out his resume this is who I am and this is what God says God proclaims about himself the Lord the Lord the compassionate and gracious God slow to anger abounding in love and faithfulness maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. This is our God. This is our God, our compassionate and gracious God. The God who is slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness and who who forgives wickedness, rebellion and sin. I like that. That is who God self-proclaimed himself to be. And then, of course, we as people probably have largely misunderstood who God was. And when Jesus came, I think this is what Jesus reveals about God, 
that this is what God is like because this is what Jesus was like. He shows, he shows us the gracious and compassionate God. And so when Jesus comes and he's interacting with people, time and time and time again, he's just moved by compassion. It says time and time again he sees the crowd and he's overwhelmed with compassion for them. And so he heals them or he feeds them or he reaches out to them. He does all manner of things to connect with them because he's moved by compassion. And I just sort of think about how we see the world, how you see your world. How do you see your neighbours? How do you see your workmates? How do you see those around you? How do you see the people groups around you? Do you are, are you constantly measuring like, right and wrong, where people are at, do you agree with them or disagree with them? Or are you someone who's like moved by compassion for those around you? Because when Jesus looked out to the crowds, he wasn't measuring right and wrong, where they've got it right or what they're doing. He was moved by compassion and he moved towards them in action. Jesus had compassion on them. I love that about Jesus. And I was just so struck by... um, the story in John chapter 4 when Jesus meets the woman at the well, you know, are we all familiar with that story? So it's in the middle of the day, it's hot, Jesus has travelled a long way, he's tired, so he goes to the, to the well, Jacob's well, and um, he meets a woman there who's drawing water in the middle of the day. Now that's unusual because all the women would have gone in the cool of the day to draw water. So she's already... Um, an outsider, we get the picture that she's not doing the normal thing like every other woman. She's sort of an outsider. She's going to the well at an odd time, maybe to avoid the crowds. Um, And Jesus encounters her and asks her for a drink. And they have this little exchange, you know, because she's a Samaritan woman and he's a Jewish man and they don't like each other, Jews and Samaritans, for lots of long-held historical problems, lots of rifts, lots of racial and cultural and social differences and the Jews claimed that the temple should be here and the Samaritans claimed that the temple should be there and they'd been kind of like at odds with each other for a long time. Not so unlike other cultural groups and nations in our world that are at odds with each other over different things. So there's already kind of like a difference between Jesus and this woman and this woman asks, Jesus asks this woman for a drink and they have this exchange. You can go and read it for yourself. I don't want to like sort of unpack the whole details of the story but this is what just really struck me this week as I was reading that passage like I've always thought you know how Jesus says to the woman um you know go go and get your husband and she says I have no husband and Jesus says yeah I know you've had no husband or no you don't have a husband in fact you've had five husbands and the man you're now living with is not your husband you know how that exchange I've always, always read that as kind of like Jesus kind of calling out her sin. Like, oh, I can, like, oh, here you are, you harlot woman in the middle of the day at the well. I mean, he's, he's nice, right, because he's nice to us. So he's like, it's nice, Jesus, but really he's kind of like calling out her sin. Do you know what I mean? I realised this week that that was probably not at all what was taking place because I realised that for the first time I am entirely reading that story through Western female eyes. And what I mean by that is as a Western female woman, I get to choose who I marry. Therefore, if I've married five men, that's because I've chosen to marry five men and ditched 
five men. Does that make sense? So I've always read Jesus' exchange with her as a measure of her sin, but it just dawned on me this week, she's not a white Western woman deciding who she gets to marry. She was not the master of her own destiny. If she has married five men, it's because she has been married off to five men by other people, not by her own choice. And so Jesus isn't necessarily calling out her sin in that exchange. He's moving towards her pain. That here is this woman at the mercy of culture, not independent, not choosing her own destiny, not being able to like be the master of her own fate, but actually someone who has been at the whim of all of those around her and has been let down time and time and time again by others in her culture and is still left in an insecure and vulnerable position because the man she's living with now hasn't even had the balls to marry her. And I just realised that this is just like, it just, the compassion of Jesus came alive for me, that he's not calling out her sin. He's moving towards her pain and recognising that she's vulnerable and she's been exposed and she's been left open to all these people around her. She's been not treated well by her culture and her society and she is so ashamed of what's been done to her, not what she has done, but what has been done to her that she can't even be around the other women of her society and sneaks out in the middle of the day to get her water. And I just realised, it's just, just this revelation of the compassion of Jesus and, how, and also a revelation of how Western how I read the Bible with Western eyes because I've always just thought of her as a wanton woman, not as a woman needing my compassion. And it just kind of cut me to the core about how many other times in my life do I look at people and do I look at the world and do I just judge the sin without having compassion for the person. And I just feel so convicted by this Jesus who I follow who is always moved by compassion. And I want to be more like him. I don't want to be a judge of sin. I don't want to be someone who's measuring right and wrong. I don't want to be someone who decides who is worthy of my compassion. I just want to be a compassionate person, just like Jesus was. Jesus had compassion. I've got this quote by Henry Nguyen. He says, compassion, that should say is, is a downward movement towards solidarity instead of an upward movement towards popularity. It does not require heroic gestures or a sensational turnaround. In fact, the compassionate life is mostly hidden in the ordinariness of everyday living. Are we open to the many little sufferings of those with whom we share our life? Once we look downward instead of upward on the ladder of life, we see the pain of people wherever we go and we hear the call of compassion wherever we are. Compassion is a downward movement towards solidarity instead of an upward movement towards popularity.
How much does that resonate with Jesus, who just did not seem that interested in popularity, but seemed entirely interested with meeting with those who were marginalised, outcast, poor, sick, lepers, those who needed compassion. Jesus seemed to move towards those people and not be so interested in garnering the popularity of the cool, the hip, the rich, the powerful. And that just seems so opposite sometimes to my life and certainly to the lives of the church in our society. And so I want to ask you a question and I want you to think about this and then maybe talk to the person next to you. So this is like honesty time. I want to ask you, when was the last time you were moved by compassion? And I don't mean you just kind of felt sorry for someone, but I mean that you actually really saw something and it moved you and then you went and did something about it. And I'm not just talking about grand gestures, but I'm talking about the little everyday things as well. So I want to ask you that question. When was the last time you were really moved by compassion for something? And then the second question I want to ask you is, when did you feel your heart lean in towards something and then you backed away? Does that make sense? So it's like, in other words, I'm really asking you, when did you get it right and when did you suck a little bit? You know, not that we're measuring because we're not measuring. <laughs> but I want you to be, I'm asking you to be honest with yourself. And it's okay if you've got a really bad memory and you actually just can't think of anything. You can be honest with the person next to you. But it would be, I just want us to have a moment of self-reflection around when, can you remember a time when you were moved and you moved towards someone and did something and a time when you felt that but something stopped you and you backed away? Yeah? So have a think and then chat with the person next to you. If you don't have someone next to you, go find someone. <laughs> Is that cool? Let's do that a second. Who, who discovered that in there talking about compassion that it's all just really simple? <laughs> Anyone? Anyone come up against complexities of what compassion looks like? Yeah. It's, it's challenging, isn't it? to know in some situations what compassion looks like. But I don't think that lets us off the hook from being called towards being compassionate people and with wrestling with what it looks like to be compassionate even when it doesn't seem simple. Does anyone want to share anything that was really great that someone said? It's all right if no one said anything great. <laughs> Oh, um, Naomi was this, I've heard Naomi say this a lot. Um, it's one of her pet, pet peeves is um, when you pick up a newspaper or something and, and it's just somebody has committed a crime or something. And sometimes even before they're convicted, they're just, their name is just smeared through the paper. Like, and it's like, yep, they're wrong, they've done it or whatever, but it's the same like, you know, nothing happens in the vacuum and I guess Naomi was saying that she, she feels compassion towards the person who, who's done the crime, but then it's hard to have that discussion with people or 
it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know what, yeah. It's the complexities of it, isn't it? But I just feel like when I look at Jesus, I would see someone who was moved by compassion for both the victim and the perpetrator because it's never simple. Like it's never just like I wake up one day and I decide to do this. Like we're, There is just so much brokenness and pain in this world. And I think that Jesus has great compassion for the brokenness and pain of our world and for all the ways in which all of us in different measures try to work with that. And I think he's moved by the compassion and would move towards us, not away from us um, in judgment. And yet so often I think in our thinking about God and now thinking about Jesus, we imagine him as someone who moves away from us and away from the world, especially when it comes to pain and brokenness. Yeah. Anyone else want to share anything? Oh, Becca. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Here, let me get this to you so I don't get in trouble. For the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm struck by, like, I think, I feel like you could take the word popularity and maybe change it to power. So, like, compassion is a downward movement towards solidarity rather than an upward movement towards power. And I don't know, that really you know, because there is something in me that wants influence and wants to have power that I'll then use for good, but I probably actually won't because that's not how power really works usually. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's very corrupting force. And just that compassion actually kind of isn't worried about power. It's in the little things that then it is like this mustard seed or this, the way the kingdom grows, you know, yeast. I don't know. So I'm quite, I'm quite struck by that anyway. I feel like, you know, we, we were talking about big things like homelessness and <laughs> refugees on Nauru and sometimes just that, that feeling of being overwhelmed by the problem and not knowing what compassion looks like often actually paralyzes us in our compassion because we're just overwhelmed by the problem. And I think, like, that's probably true for most people. Like, we easily get kind of like, oh, the problem's so big, what do we do? But I don't think as followers of Jesus we're allowed to let ourselves off the hook with that response. I just think it's like the agitation that should be in us that moves us, um, even if we don't know what we're doing and even if we don't have the answers and even if we don't know what to say or don't know what's right, to view that agitation as a healthy thing rather than an unhealthy thing, like something to actually sit in rather than move away from. Because most of us like to move away from that which makes us uncomfortable towards that which just makes us comfortable. So like when we're kind of, this is why I asked you, when was a time when you were moved by compassion and then you actually like backtracked? Because a lot of the time our compassion moves us into uncomfortable places, uncomfortable places of right and wrong or good and bad or long-term or short-term. Like, or overwhelm, and so so we often retreat from those places because it's so uncomfortable. But I think I see in Jesus this man who was just okay with being uncomfortable, 
and with having uncomfortable conversations with people. Like the conversation he had with the woman at the well wasn't just like, she'll be right, darling. It was a confronting kind of like conversation, but he was just seemed happy to have it with her, to actually be with her in the discomfort of all of the racial and cultural and historical conflict, her prejudice, her perceptions of him, his cultural stuff, like just sitting in that place and having the dialogue. He was happy to be there. And I think as followers of Jesus, as people who walk in the footsteps of, of Jesus, we should be willing to go to those uncomfortable places and just, just be there and not always pull back from discomfort. But I think our, our, like to be a disciple of Jesus actually causes us to move towards situations that are uncomfortable for us in order to just be present and, and be Jesus. So I want us to just like finish um, our time today with a little something just a little bit practical because I know with me when I'm like, I often feel that that oh, I don't know what to do and I retreat thing. So I want us just to give us something to do today with those things that we do feel moved by that's small and simple but will just give us a place for our compassion and. Um, before we do, I just want to read you a poem. Actually, today is International Communion Sunday. Who knew? That's why we're having communion. Because I found that out this week and I thought, Central always needs a good excuse to eat bread and drink wine um, or port or juice. So we'll just have communion again um, on International Communion Sunday. And so I saw this poem come up um, because Becca loves Jan Richardson and she has shared her love of Jan Richardson with me and now I love Jan Richardson and I follow her on Facebook and this poem of hers came up this week around Communion Sunday and I thought it was really great as we talk about the Jesus of compassion. To your table you bid us come. You have set the places, you have poured the wine and there is always room, you say, for one more. And so we come from the streets and from the alleys we come. From the deserts and from the hills we come. From the ravages of poverty and from the places of privilege we come. Running, limping, carried, we come. We are bloodied with our wars. We are wearied with our wounds. We carry our dead within us and we reckon with their ghosts. We hold the seeds of healing. We dream of a new creation. We know the things that make for peace and we struggle to give them wings. And yet, to your table we come. Hungering for your bread, we come. Thirsting for your wine, we come singing your song in every language, speaking your name in every tongue, in conflict and communion, in discord and in desire. We come, O God of wisdom, we come. And so I want us tonight to just to come to the table, but to actually not come to this table alone tonight, I would really like us to come to the table in compassion with something or someone that stirs our heart, with something or someone 
that we would say there is room at this table for you. There is more room. There is room for one more. There is room for you. And so what we're going to do is, I've got these bits of paper. Luke, do you want to pass something around? And I've got textures and pens and textures are cool because they're colourful. And what I want you to do, and honestly, you can take more than one piece of paper once you find out what we're doing. Can I actually have a piece of paper? I'll get the kids. They just want to come and eat with us, so... Yeah, once we get started on this. What I want us to do, what I want us all to do, is fold these pieces of paper in half like this so that they make like a place card that you'd put at a place. You know, it's not very cool though. And I want you to write on this place card, or you can have a couple, just something or someone that you have compassion for It might be a people group. It might be an actual person that you're feeling really moved towards. It might be a a nation. It might be a situation. It could be anything. And what we're going to do is we're going to write them up and then we're going to bring them to the table and put them on the table like place cards as a way of saying there is room for more at the table of the Lord. There is room for our compassion. And sometimes we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what the right thing is, but as we bring these things, as we carry them in our hearts, as we carry, you know, our discord and our discomfort and our compassion, and as we carry these things, we can carry them to the table of the Lord, knowing that as we hunger and we thirst, and as these people and these nations and these situations, as they hunger and they thirst, we're saying this is the place of peace, and this is the place of life, and this is the place of goodness, and there is always room for one more. And then we'll pray together and then we'll eat and drink just in solidarity and compassion for all those places around us and in us that, that need Jesus. Is that all right? So if you want to take, if you've got lots of people or lots of situations, you have lots of compassion, um, there's more of these. I'll pop them up here. Is about how Jesus was a man of compassion and how Jesus shows us the God who is a God of compassion. And so we've been talking about what it looks like for Jesus to be moved by compassion and then what it looks like for us as people who follow Jesus to allow ourselves to be like him and be moved by compassion as well. And so what all the adults have done is we've all got these bits of paper and we've written something or someone or a situation on here that we have compassion for and we're going to come and put them all on the communion table as a sign of saying there is room at the table of Jesus for all those that we have compassion for because Jesus has compassion as well. Does that sound all right kids? So that's what you're going to see when you come to the table and there's all these bits and pieces of paper on it and what you might like to do when we do take communion is read what some of the adults have written down to see what are some of the things that are our hearts are moved for with compassion. Is that all right? Does that sound good? Okay, adults, do you want to come put your, your bits and pieces up? And then maybe what we'll do is we'll just come and gather. So come and put your place card down and then um, we maybe just all come and stand around the table and uh, be here together at the table of the Lord.